Welcome to the Thriving Women in STEM podcast. We're your hosts, Dr. Ursula Lang and Dr. Brianne Daniels. Our mission is to support, nurture, and re-inspire STEM professional women to reclaim their lives and flourish. And the way we do this is through community building, shared experiences, and coaching tools. Let's do this. Hello, Women in STEM community. We're back here this month, and we're so excited to be talking to you about relationships. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Ursula Lang. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm excited. I like I like our topic of the month, and I know that we kind of picked it a little bit because it's you know this whole Valentine's Day thing in February. But I would also, and this actually happens to be my dad's birthday on Valentine's Day, and my birthday is two days after. So I have all sorts of like, I think my husband probably feels there's all sorts of pressure around that particular week of the month with, you know, all the things which we'll get into, uh, which is interesting. So anyways, yes, um, that is great. How oh, that's awesome. Well, happy upcoming birthday to you. Birthday month. I mean, I can't birthday month. <laughs> I'm one of those people who claim the whole month for their birthday. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I'm, actually, my husband's birthday was last week as well. So there's lots of birthdays in this. Oh, yay. Wonderful. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so excited too. And yeah, I think you're right. There's, there's all kinds of things that kind of come up in this month in terms of relationships um, and how we think about them and, you know, even our societal traditions around the Valentine's Day holiday. So, so this is good. So we'll have this conversation here. So the subtopic we thought would be interesting to talk about today um, is sort of centered around the popular book that came out, I think a few years ago called The Five Love Languages. And some of you may or may not have encountered it already or read it in various you know, spheres of your life. We just wanted to highlight some of the points and then kind of bring our own additional perspective and highlight how it can be used to our, to our most advantage in our relationships. Do you have anything you wanted to add on that note? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think, it, you know, this gets referenced a lot and somehow I've come across the five love languages in various different forms and ways across the, um, the last few years. And I think when we, t- when we think about relationships, uh, somehow we have this impulse to really like figure it out and get it right and put ourselves into these little boxes and sort of say like, Hey, like this is the right way to love me versus the wrong way. And it, and it's just, it kind of, again, like we've always talked about with all this thought work, it takes you out of yourself and places the power outside of yourself, right? It kind of gives it away to a book or it gives it away to like somebody else deciding, you know, how to act and how to feel about you versus bringing it internal and deciding for yourself, what do I think about the five love languages? What is, how does it apply to me? What, how can I be, use it for me and not for, not against me. So I think that's really where we're going to come at this from not to dissuade anybody who's like a very loyal fan of the five love languages, but I think we're going to bring in our own perspective and how it interfaces with coaching principles and the manual, which we haven't really talked about too much yet, but it's very uh, important to bring up in this conversation. 
Amazing. Well, thank you for getting us started. So I'll real briefly go over what the five love languages are, um, just for those of you who are not familiar. And then we'll kind of get into our own conversation and again, how it relates to manuals, et cetera. So the first one is uh, words of affirmation, which can also be interpreted as like compliments or saying nice things, essentially. Um, so this one, you know, I think many of us probably have it, right? That we we receive compliments and receive them and attach loving or liking um, affectionate feelings to that to that uh, expression of of love. Um, the second one is quality time. So that again, you can understand thinking about it, right? If somebody is um, really valuing quality time with, let's say, their partner, um, if their partner is carving out time from their day to spend with with that person, maybe that they would interpret that as as a sign of love. The third is giving gifts, um, of course. We can probably all relate to that to some extent, right? We are sort of culture, our culture involves um, giving gifts at times that are special in, in our life. You know, birthdays might be one example. Um, Valentine's Day could be another example. <laughs> um, so, so we can kind of see how, how that has been sort of in our culture as an expression of, of affection. The fourth is acts of service. And what's meant by that is, um, say, you know, your partner is coming home from work and they pick up dinner on the way. Um, and, and so you might consider that an act of service, doing something for you, your, your unit of family. Um, you, it could also be something like taking out the trash or getting the oil changed in the car, um, it obviously is also, you know, it's a bit subjective. So it's what you what you would consider an act of service. The fifth one uh, is physical touch. And this could be, again, a little bit subjective depending on the person, but it could be romantic touch. It could be intimacy um, or it could, it could just be as simple as a hug or holding hands, touching hands, something like that. So again, Starting from the top, it's words of affirmation, quality time, giving gifts, acts of service, or physical touch. And so these are actually, you know, they're all really useful things to talk about and communicate with your partner about, and certainly to have awareness between the two of you in terms of what your preferred love languages are. Um, And I would say it's probably true that many people have, you know, maybe they have one that's primary and then they have a few others that they also identify with. It could be that you identify with all of them equally. So there's no real right or wrong way to to identify with one particular love language. But what we wanted to bring forward is that it's really useful to think of these as like awareness tools in our relationships um, and not to sort of end up turning them into sort of something to weaponize either against ourselves or our partners. And in that sense, what I mean by that is that we don't want to get into a situation where basically we have identified a love language, let's say that we want to receive, but let's just say we have an expectation that our partner will give us love in that particular language. And either we, let's say, haven't 
fully communicated it to them in the first place, or we've communicated it, but our expectation is just that they should be, you know, immediately fluent in that language, right? But without having that acknowledgement that it takes time to build fluency in any language, right? So sometimes mismatched expectations can make that um, a little bit of a challenge and can turn into something that could be more on the sort of weaponized side, right? If you if you are having sort of a mismatch in expectations with your partner around these love languages. I would also jump into Sabri when you're saying this, like, uh, you know, they, they're not fluent in that language. 100% they could decide that they want to learn that language and then would require our patience and their learning of this particular language. But that's, again, under the assumption that they want to. Right. And like all of these things, right. For for part of, you know, that expectation piece of it is that they should want to learn my love love language versus what if they don't, and could that be okay that they don't necessarily want to give gifts all the time. That's not something they even want to do. And now suddenly we're, we're thinking that they, just because they know now that our gift giving our gift, you know, receiving and in the in this case might be to get gifts so that you know that they love you versus like well what if he just doesn't want to do that and you know for us not to make that mean anything and we talk about that a lot too right that question of what are you making it mean that he's not exactly. respect res- like by respecting maybe not so much but not wanting to take on that additional language and not learn it and that might be okay not making yeah. it mean he loves you any less or or so on. I love that. Thanks for bringing that forward. And and maybe actually could do you, would you like to segue a little bit into discussing the manual? That was sort of where I was, I was headed, but yeah, um, sort of the mismatched, mismatched expectations is where I was heading with that. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. No, the manual, oh, our lovely manual. This is essentially what it means. What it is, is the, um, the unwritten rules that you have for your partner in this particular case, but really when we were talking, since we really haven't brought this up, I don't believe we have brought this up very much until this point. I think we need to start by just acknowledging that we have manuals for everything in our life. We have manual for the way the world should work in our opinion. If we were, you know, the one creating our lives and had complete autonomy and authority over everything around us, um, we have a manual of the way things should run. And, you know, that's for our work, for our boss, for our friends, like if my, you know, for friendships, for ourselves. And that's where we can get into a lot of judgment if we're not following our particular manual exactly as written. Um, And so without, if you have, I've never heard the word manual in terms of other people and the way that you run in your life, I think this could be just in and of itself, like a huge piece of a huge aha moment for you, essentially, to just recognize that you have all these rules that you've somehow picked up over the years and you've you kind of incorporated into this comprehensive manual of how to do it right. And um, this is often something we don't necessarily even share with people. We just have this assumption that this is the right way to do it. This is the right way to treat me. This is the right way to live. And I think that there is also just on that point that there's a distinction between manuals and boundaries, right? So you do have a boundary of the way someone should treat you based on, you know, you don't 
pass this line. Otherwise this will happen versus this is a manual of, of um, not even a request, but a demand essentially to act a certain way. And oftentimes it's because we think we can feel a certain way if someone is acting a certain way. So it kind of jumps over a lot of different hoops that we try to uh, rewire and relearn <laughs> through coaching. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I feel like manuals also to me, it's kind of like, it's the, it's the rule book you have in your head that may or may not be written down anywhere. Um, so in reference to your partner, it's like the rule book you have for them, all the things that they should do so that you can feel a certain way. And so again, that's kind of where we're trying to separate out and acknowledge that they can't actually make you feel any certain way. They are a circumstance in your life and your thoughts about them or what they're doing is what's making you feel the way you feel. And um, it's also, I know we sort of mentioned this before as well, but kind of the concept that if you are placing your feelings in the other person's, you know, power zone, (laughs) um, that just creates all kinds of drama, right? It makes it a lot harder on you, but it also makes it harder on them, right? Because they can't actually control how you feel. And you thinking that they can is actually hurting you more in the end. Um, So the last thing about the manuals is that ultimately when we kind of get rid of our manuals or don't hold so tightly to them, or at least recognize we have them and don't apply them to other people, then we really get all of our power back over all of our feelings. And then we can choose what we want to feel. And in this case, which is really the kind of most amazing part, right, is you can always choose love and you can do that yourself, which means that, you know, in the context of talking about love languages, we're just trying to emphasize that although although these are really useful things to communicate with our partner about, and they can bring more closeness and more of a stronger relationship bond, ultimately reminding ourselves that it really is our responsibility um, to take back control of our feelings and to recognize that we are 100% lovable no matter what happens, no matter what anyone does, our partner or someone else out in the world. So that was the, just what I wanted to add on the, on the back end of talking about manuals. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I love it. Yeah. Drop your manual. <laughs> and I mean, uh, easier and said than done for sure. Oh, yeah. All the stuff, the, the <laughs> these quick little podcasts that we put together, it's the surface of all the deeper work that we do um, through coaching, like that real one-on-one coaching. So, so yeah, good stuff. And so I guess I would, I was just wondering as you were talking about love languages, Brie, and this is for me to know and to get to know you better. What is your love language? Do you happen to to know? You brought that up. (laughs) Um, So I actually was going through this and trying to decide. I think, I think I, I probably am one of those people who maybe checks more than one of them off. Um, I think the main ones for me are probably quality time, acts of service, and physical touch. But it's also it's kind of interesting uh, that at least my 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 
um, biased view of my partner's. <laughs> one, of, one of his strengths is like giving gifts. Um, and so, so yeah, so that was fun to just think about and recognize a little bit, um, that, you know, maybe, maybe I can, I can acknowledge more when he does give a gift, how much that probably means and what I make it mean. And I can make it mean more than maybe I currently do. Um, in yeah, terms that's so of interesting. Love. <laughs> maybe it's the way I'm trying to put that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I think for, for me, it's been um, an interesting like realization when uh, my husband and I first got together and I would put an exorbitant amount of, of emphasis on gift giving, especially from a place of thoughtfulness and like my interpretation of how thoughtful the person had been in their gift giving. And I put a lot of, I made that mean the more thoughtful the gift, the more they loved me, right? That's essentially what we're doing, right? We're interpreting these very neutral circumstances and through our lens and deciding what they mean. And then of course our feelings come up based on what we decide they mean, right? So that's a very simplified way of doing it. So in my upbringing, and this brings up a a bunch of our manuals and our rules that we've acquired are from our upbringing. What did our parents do? What did we, were we raised with our values, et cetera? This always comes back to these kind of ingrained beliefs and value systems that we've um, acquired. And, uh, and so that was something I had to reconcile, right, for myself, and also make it very clear in my mind that it meant nothing about his level of love, and actually learning over the years that his way of of showing love is acts of service. And that when he was say doing the dishes, taking out the trash, asking me for whatever little um, uh, tasks and things he could do for me, that that was his way of showing me that he loved me versus his gift giving was very much like, what's practical. I'll give you a gift certificate for what store do you want? <laughs> Christmas is coming up. Your birthday's coming up. Just tell me what to do. Right. And it, it was very much an evolution of recognizing that it doesn't mean anything that, you know, when you decide, when you figure out what your particular love languages to turn it on yourself and say, okay, well, this is my love language. Let me love on myself and give myself my gift. And that's what my evolution has been basically. And, and at the same, at the same token, I recognize the acts of service or his love language. So now I know that if I volunteer and I suddenly start doing the dishes when he normally does them, he suddenly is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. What are you doing? I don't understand. Oh, you love me. You know, it's so funny. He makes me coffee every morning and he like, that is his way of showing me he loves me. And when I do that, the same thing, he interprets it as I love him. And it's just fascinating to me. I'm like, of course I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a way to do it essentially. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like turning your love language back on yourself and, and yeah. And loving on yourself, which then allows you to also see even more how much when you show up maybe and do or participate in the love language that your partner has, how, what that might feel like to them as well. So it's, it's kind of a great mirroring exercise as well. Yeah. But not doing it from obligation, doing it from literally just like love and true giving without expecting to receive anything back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And curiosity too. I feel like at least if you're sort of new to this concept, which maybe many people are not, but um, if you are sort of new to the concept um, to kind of use it as a way to get really curious and find out and communicate more with your partner um, and 
you know, when we have that deeper level of communication and an understanding of each other, then of course our relationships become stronger and deeper um, just through that process of getting curious and figuring it out. Okay. Well, that was awesome. I know it was sort of a short introduction to this topic, which obviously is an entire book in and of itself. And of course, if you are curious to learn more and want to go deeper, of course, we would encourage you to check out the book. It's by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages, and we can put the link in the show notes. And of course, as always, we are here for you anytime. Uh, please feel free to reach out and connect with us either through our website or email. And uh, we will, we will look forward to being in connection. And also go sign up for the free webinar at the end of the month that we have uh, coming up. So everything you're hearing in this month of February on relationships, we're going to summarize for you, like basically highlights during this webinar workshop gives you opportunity to do hands-on stuff as well as potentially, if there's enough time, sneak in a little bit of free coaching from us. Amazing. So please go to the website. You'll see a button there that will direct you or go to the show notes and there's a link to register for the webinar workshop. All right. Till next time, everyone. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to apply some of these principles to your own life, we are here to help. Get started by following the link in the show notes to download our step-by-step video guided workshop to reclaim your time.